The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJD 800. So are you bored yet? Tonight we'll talk about fighting isolation, social isolation and boredom, and especially if you're single. Now, before we get into that, though, there's a, we've got a lot of questions over the last couple of weeks from people who want to know, is it safe to visit a boyfriend, a girlfriend, and whatever conditions are around that? And of course, I don't have the answers, but I know who does, and that's CJD's very own Dr. Mitch Shulman. Dr. Mitch, so great to have you on Passion. <laughs> Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to you, talk to you. You're like the hardest working doctor I've ever, ever, <laughs> ever met. <laughs> nah, the the poor guys who are busy not just working but handling the administrative side are having a very tough time because the protocols and everything keep changing right. and sourcing resources and everything. And the nurses and orderlies uh, at the end of the day, uh, registration clerks, the people that you don't often think of, who are True. working so hard behind the scenes housekeeping. Yeah. They're working twice as or three or four times as hard as they ever were before just to make certain all the surfaces are as clean as possible. And there's a lot of people pulling together to make this happen. Well, I want uh, to extend our thanks from the whole passion community here to all those heroes, because they really are. We're all staying home and thinking this is so hard, but believe me, it's much harder to be on the front lines. And like you said, there are so many people that are in in the backstory, you know, all all the people that, that, that are making this machine run. So thank you from all of us. Now, we have some questions, and I've been getting a few questions when it comes to sex when it comes to um, visiting a boyfriend or a girlfriend. So I'll give you a couple scenarios and you tell me what's possible. So she, uh, let's say she is isolating and she has not had any outside contact. He has isolated and has has had no other contacts. Now they want to isolate together. Is that a problem? As long as they stay together for the full 14-day incubation period, none whatsoever. People who have shared the same circumstances, same environment, same contact, same travel, same whatever, can isolate together. Um, So if you went away on a trip with someone and you both came back together, there's no reason why you cannot isolate together and have a normal relationship uh, together. The problem comes when someone has been exposed differently. If they've had different exposures, say one person is staying at home and the other person is going into work on a regular basis or something like that, that's when the problem becomes because they do then run the risk of bringing what they've been in contact with on the outside home with them. Right. So if they have not been working and they have, what if they've only gone out and been very careful and have gone out just for groceries like once or twice? Again, the safest answer is you isolate together or you isolate separately. That's the safest answer. Um, You can't be sure what you were exposed to when you went out. If you were careful, if everything was done properly, you maintained social distancing, washed down the surfaces Mm -hmm. that you were in contact with, and washed your own hands on a regular basis, the risk is probably minimal. But what you've got to do is when you're thinking this through, you have to say to yourself, where have I been or where has my partner been? 
or where has this person been that I haven't been? Mm-hmm. And that's where you can get a good sense of what the danger is. Look, it could be just as simple as going to the ATM. Right. You're staying in, the other person's going into the ATM. They're touching the door to get in. They're touching the buttons on the ATM. They're touching the door to get out, and then they're coming back. Right then, they've been exposed. Mm. Right, right. So you can't be completely sure of what they're doing. So unless you are sure of, of the precautions they're taking. Exactly. Okay. And, and the other thing to remind people is just because younger people are less likely to die of this disease, they're not less likely to get sick. Right. The stats out of the States and now out of Canada show us that we are seeing very sick 20, 30, and 40-year-olds. So just because you're not 60 or just because you don't have underlying diabetes or high blood pressure or Mm -hmm. lung disease doesn't mean you are immune to the nasty effects of this disease. Right. Okay. So here's another situation I got. Um, An adult child, so in their 20s, who's been isolating for more than 14 days, no contact with other people, wants to now come live with the parents. The parents are not elderly, and these parents have also been isolating. Is this a bad idea? Again, it really depends upon, think it through. What has this person been in contact with? If he's been isolated for more than 14 days, has had no new exposure, and is going right from that isolation to now living with his folks, probably not a problem. Okay. The key thing is, what have you been exposed to? As long as you've given yourself 14 days from your last potential dangerous ah, exposure, that's whether okay. that's travel or something like that, you should be okay. Okay, so giving yourselves that 14 days, even if you went out for the grocery store, for example, 14 days from that moment, to exactly. be 100% sure. Or you sure. are so meticulously careful, you don't think there's any way right. you, could be, uh, you could have picked up the virus. Don't forget, a lot of this is sort of like Russian roulette. Yes. Right? You don't know where the virus has landed and how long ago it landed. Right. That's why meticulous care to hand washing and social distancing becomes so important. Right. So people are also wondering um, about having sex. Um, should couples, how should couples stay safe while having sex, or is there any risk? I know the risk, of, obviously, from kissing and saliva with an infected person, but uh, what about just a couple that's together at home? If they're together at home, they're together at home. And They've sorry. already shared everything that they're going to share. So whether it's through sex or kissing or whatever, there's no reason to further isolate yourself. Again, unless the risk exposure of one person differs from the risk exposure of the other person. But if, as I used as the example before, you've both been traveling, you both came back, you're both put together in 14-day quarantine, do what you would normally do. You're both in quarantine together, you're both exposed to the same things together. The virus is transmitted through droplets usually droplets coming from the nose, the mouth, or the, um, or the, the, or the, the nose, the mouth, the eyes, or the throat, basically your respiratory tract. Okay. That's where the virus and the droplets come from. Um, the so, rest I leave up to you. Okay, I've, I'm getting so many questions for you. I hope you can hang out for a little bit. I don't know, this is not your usual time, but sure. um, all right. If my wife brings our 13-year-old son to the store and leaves him in the car, is that okay? But what has she done? That's right, exactly. So she's coming back into the car. At the end the of the day, if you, you can think through the answer to all of these things. Leaving him in the car or not, she's still been the one that's gone out and exposed herself. What is she bringing back? Now, she's been careful and meticulous and all that. The risk is very small. Only you can assess that when you're actually doing it. Right, exactly. All right, is it sufficient, sufficient to simply wash your hands 
while wearing latex gloves after having shopped for groceries in order to temporarily decontaminate them. Okay, so the latex gloves are unnecessary. Okay. They're there as an extra barrier. If you're going to use them, you have to use them properly. So when I glove up before I see a patient, I put on all my gloves, my gown, my mask, and everything. I go in, and I take everything out by pulling it inside out and throwing it in a receptacle before I go out and washing my hands. Then I wash my hands again when I go out. So think about this. If you're wearing the gloves and the gloves are contaminated, and you're now going from one task to another task, it's the same thing as having the contamination on your hands. Right. If you're throwing out the gloves and not washing your hands, you may have passed the contamination from the gloves to your hands. So think of the gloves, if used properly, the same way as a mask. Maybe they'll help, maybe they won't. But at the end of the day, the most important thing is the hand washing. And it can be with an alcohol-based hand sanitizer, which you have to let it dry completely, or good soap and water. And the beauty of soap and water is the virus is a little bit of genetic material surrounded with a soap bubble. Right. So when you wash, you're destroying its soap bubble. Right. Dr. Mitch, would you mind hanging out for a little bit? We have so many people asking questions that I feel that they are, sometimes our evening listeners may not get that, that opportunity. So could we grab you for a little longer? I hate sure. asking such a busy guy, but... It's not a problem. Don't worry right. about it. Wonderful. Thank you so much. More with uh, Dr. Mitch Shulman coming right up after we check traffic with Kiri Yeager. with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. We are very fortunate to have Dr. Mitch Schulman with us tonight answering the passion community's questions. I know this is a time uh, that's maybe a little more difficult for Dr. Mitch because he works really long hours and is back at work, uh, but he has agreed to stay with us a little bit longer. So here are a couple more questions for you, Dr. Mitch. Sure. Um, is 70% rubbing alcohol, Lysol, or even vinegar in a portable spray bottle, would that work just as well as hand sanitizer? What's in hand sanitizer is basically a form of isopropyl alcohol. The still the best is soap and water, but soap and water isn't always available. So you can use hand sanitizer. The advantage of hand sanitizer is it's made in a gel so it sticks a little bit better. It also, most of them have uh, lubricating uh, substances in them so that the harshness of the alcohol doesn't affect you. Right. If you're going to use a disinfecting wipe, no problem. Use it properly. Uh, what most people don't realize, you just can't wipe the wipe across the surface, and that's it. It has to be moist. It has to dry on its own. And some wipes actually require that you leave everything in place for at least 10 or 15 or 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to use any of the disinfectant wipes, look at the bottle or the box, whatever it's in, and check the instructions and use them properly. Okay. How long is a person without symptoms actually contagious for as compared to one who is symptomatic? Ah, that is the million-dollar question, and mm. if you knew the answer to that, and I knew the answer to that, um, I might be in line for a Nobel. Um, we think that someone is most likely to transmit the virus when they are sickest. So that means that they have the highest viral load, the most amount of virus in their body, and therefore more likely to spread it. However, it does appear that you may spread the virus when you have no symptoms or minimal symptoms, And it does appear that the virus can be hanging around for a very long period of time, which is why disinfecting, hand washing, and social distancing become so important. For example, on that cruise ship that was stocked off Yokohama 
for all that period of time. Mm -hmm. They found live virus 17 days after the last person was taken off that ship. Oh, wow. That just shows you the virus, and there's data from China showing that the virus may survive as long as 20 or 30 days. Wow. That doesn't mean someone's spewing it for that period of time, but they could be, in theory, which is why most protocols to enable people to go back to work at the hospital, for example, require two negative swabs, even though they have no symptoms, before we'll let them back to work. Okay. Uh, what does the testing for the virus involve exactly, and how long does it take to get results? Yeah. In theory, it only should take a couple of hours. The reality is they're so backed up mm. that you can wait a day or two, if sometimes even longer, for results. Okay. The actual test itself doesn't take very long. What are they testing for? They're actually testing for the virus itself. So what they do is they take a small Q-tip-like swab and thread it through your nose. I don't know how politely to put this. It's really not a very comfortable <laughs> right. uh, process. It I usually heard. causes people to tear up and to feel very uncomfortable. And then they send it off to the lab and they do a special PCR reaction to see if the virus is there. Now that's the problem. The problem is the test is about 70% accurate, give or take. Mm. So we've had people who we were convinced had COVID that their test came back negative, we've still put them in isolation just to be on the safe side. Okay. That's problem number one. Problem number two is what we really want is an antibody test, and that isn't about yet. What does that tell you? If I've been infected by the virus, my body attacks, attacks back. It creates antibodies against that virus. If I then check your blood, I can see, even if you don't have virus right now, I can see that you were exposed and you fought it off. That's important to know. Mm -hmm. So right now, all we're testing for is the actual presence of the virus by using that swab up your schnoz. Okay. Eventually, we will move to a test where we can test your blood, but that's not going to happen for a while. Okay. If you have seasonal asthma, would that put you in a higher risk? Not to get sick, but potentially to have more trouble with the illness. The okay. same way if you got a cold or the same way as if you had the flu. Anything that attacks your lungs, right, is mm -hmm. going to be more significant, and someone already has some degree of lung disease. So whether it's seasonal allergies triggering asthma, whether it's asthma, whether it's chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, which is COPD, or the disease you get when you've destroyed your lungs as a result of smoking and other things like that. Right. All those people are at higher risk not to get the disease, but to have a tougher time with it. And right. I said exactly as they would if they had a cold where they had the flu. Same right. idea. Okay. What about this 14-day thing? Because some people are asking about, um, like, why the 14 days? They'd heard that you could also uh, get symptoms after the 14 days. Okay, so basically the virus, when it attacks you, takes a certain amount of time before it actually makes you sick. We think it will never take longer than 14 days if it's going to make you sick to make you sick. Ah. Hence the 14-day incubation period. Most people who are infected with the virus, show their symptoms around five to six to seven days after they've caught the virus. Most, but not everyone. So to make sure that we actually have caught as many people as possible, that 14-day incubation period means that you're very unlikely, very unlikely, to have been cooking it and suddenly fall ill on the 15th or the 16th day. Right. And that's why it's 14 full days. The idea being we want to minimize... Um, the risk that the virus has been incubating and, and comes back after you've left uh, isolation or quarantine. And that's why it's 14 days. 14 days comes from our experience with the virus in China and elsewhere. 
14 days comes from our experience with SARS and other very similar coronaviruses. Okay. Another person says, I've heard that there were tests done that show that the virus hangs out in the air, not because someone just sneezed or cough. Is there any truth to this? If you're in the emergency room, and I've done a procedure where I create an aerosol by sticking a tube down your lungs or doing other things, it is possible to generate an aerosol that hangs in the air. Ah. In most situations, that will not happen, obviously. You cough or you sneeze, the virus is on fairly large droplets of about 5 microns in diameter that only last or can stay in the air for about 6 feet, hence the 6-foot distance Mm -hmm. for social distancing or isolation of yourself. And then it falls to the ground, increasing the risk that it's on some surface that you might touch, but that's a different issue. So that's where the social distance idea comes, and that's why we don't really worry about aerosol. Having said that, it's a closed-in booth or something like that. Someone was just in there, and they just coughed and sneezed in there. There's nothing wrong with holding the door open or the windows (laughs) and letting it air out before you go in. (laughs) Right. Hence why we're often not in studio, and we're as much as possible, all the hosts are in, you know, some of us are at home. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. The, The problem with isolation is it makes people depressed and unhappy, and we're social organisms. We need it. And the beauty now is the technology. The same technology that enables us to do radio from our home enables people to video conference with each other, to reach out. I've probably spoken to my kids more over the last me two too. weeks <laughs> than I have over the last two months. I know, me too. Now, and one person wants to know, are you immune if you get it? Huh. That's a good one. We think so. We're not sure. There have been reports of people getting sick a second time, and we're not sure if they never really got rid of the bug and it reactivated or if they actually got the bug a second time. So for now, we're assuming that if you've gotten it and you've fought it it off and it's cleared out of your system, we're assuming you're immune, but that's something you're going to want to keep your eyes and ears open for as we get more information. Now, to finish off, I want us to recap, since this is a show, of course, about love, sex, and relationships, about uh, couples who do not live together. Give us a recap of what couples who do not live together, if they want to see each other, what are the conditions? So you have to remember that you bring with you everything you've been in contact with. So if you were in isolation for 14 days and didn't leave the house, and your partner was in isolation somewhere else for 14 days and never left the house, then the two of you can now both be in isolation together for the next millennia, or Mm. as ever long as you want to be. (laughs) But if you haven't been totally isolated, you bring a risk, and that risk is what you were exposed to. Now, only you can assess how deep and serious that risk is. Did you go to the ATM? Did you wash your hands? Did you, you know, did you uh, do any one of a million different things that might have put you at risk? If the risk is very low because you've been very careful and all that, you will be bringing a risk in. You have to decide how Worth you're it. willing to, right. to live with that risk. And remember, just because you're 20 or 30 or 40 or 50, you're not immune to the serious consequences of these diseases. Uh, even if you don't have an underlying health condition. Look, most people who will have this disease probably recover and do fairly well. We're most concerned, obviously, about people with underlying health issues and the frail. But it doesn't take a rocket scientist to look through what's been going on to realize there have been 30-year-olds that have died. There's a 10-month-old that died in Illinois. You know, we talk about low death rates. We're talking about hundreds of thousands of people. You're you. 
you're an, uh, as we say in, in experimental science, an N of one. It's right. all or nothing for you. So right. take it easy, think things through, be wise. You don't have to be nuts, and you certainly don't have to be anxious, hysterical, or paranoid, but you're all thinking people. Put your thinking caps on. You can, you can deal with this. And it's all really logical once you understand the process and why you're doing what you're doing. Right. Dr. Mitch, thank you for making it uh, so accessible and being accessible to us. And good luck and Godspeed and stay safe. And we just want to keep you around here. My <laughs> pleasure. And every, everyone out there, we can do this. Uh, it's going to be a long haul, but we can do this. Yes. Again, Dr. Mitch Shulman, thank you so, so much for joining us here tonight. All right, that was Dr. Mitch Shulman with us, a CJD's very own emergency room doctor. He's amazing, absolutely amazing that he, you know, he's on the shows in the morning and now he came on tonight and he's really hardworking. So please kudos to him. We should all thank him. Uh, coming up, we'll talk about fighting social isolation and boredom. Not easy to be single or alone and bored on top of that. So we'll talk about that coming up after we check in with our CJD 800 newsroom. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Many of us have found ourselves unprepared for the feelings of loneliness that uh, follows this social isolation and being away from people. I, I know people who have chronic illnesses might be familiar with that, like with knowing what it's like to face long periods of time, maybe alone um, at home. We're all getting used to it a little bit day by day, but it's tough. Like when you can't go out anymore and you're not going to work and you're, um, we're basically forced to isolate as much as possible, at least certainly from social situations that uh, can take its toll and the research there's research out there that shows that social isolation in general so just talking about research not done with the covid uh, crisis here but that social isolation can lead to depression to poor sleep quality to poor cardiovascular function and a weakened immunity so as humans it's natural for us to to want to be social. This is what it is to be human. We are naturally social beings. And it's not all that healthy. It's not healthy at all, really, for people to be isolated for long periods of time. So we need to find new ways to kind of beat this social isolation. And thankfully, there's a lot of ways we can do that now. It's not the same as having actual uh, social contact, but it's something that we can uh, all work towards and find a way to make this, um, I don't want to say palatable, but to make this doable, let's just say. How do you fight your isolation and boredom? Like I'm hearing from people that they're bored, uh, especially people who may be living alone or who are single or who are not close to their partner. In other words, their partner lives elsewhere and they live somewhere else and they're both isolating in separate 
parts of town, let's say, and can't really see each other, maybe because one still goes to work. So uh, this brings up a lot of stuff for many of us. And I want to know how you're fighting the boredom. Give give us some idea. Let's get together as a community here, the passion community, and help each other out. How are you spending your days? Now, I've spoken to a few people who are still who are working from home and and I can't believe how busy they are. They are working more hours than they ever worked before. And that's part uh, and parcel of the fact that a lot of people have been laid off. So you may have a few people doing the work of many now in, in various companies. And uh, that's uh, putting a toll on their mental health in a whole other way, because it's creating, imagine working from home when you have kids at home and when you have to um, you know, manage uh, the household as well. And people are demanding of you when you're in the home. Like it's, it's not easy to work from home. You have to have a pretty good setup and schedule for yourself. If you're going to work from home now, this just came on for many of us quite suddenly. And so we were not prepared to like, how do I manage this from home? Like, and now I have to, we have to have, uh, schedules in place and rules in place and guidelines in place in the, just in the household. So there's, there's of course that. So what do we do to uh, combat some of this, uh, this isolation? Um, I think it's really important for people to maintain a regular schedule. I know that that's, at, at first it was like, oh, this is great. I get to be in my jammies all day and there's no schedule. I can sleep in and wake up. And then that gets a little bit, like it can feel depressing after a while to just not have that that schedule. It's for a little bit it can feel like a vacation and then it doesn't feel like a vacation anymore. Then it just like you know the more you stay in bed the more you want to stay in bed and that's not going to bring on great feelings either unless you really need to rest and that's okay if you're not feeling well and you need to rest that's fine. But maintaining regular schedule and uh, doing exercises and making sure you're maintaining your nutrition. I don't know if you've seen all the memes out there, but there's so many about like, this is me before COVID. This is me after like gaining a hundred pounds, you know, like you you don't want to not take care of yourself through all of this. I think it's really important that we, uh, that we do take care of ourselves during this important time. So uh, stay maintaining your nutrition, trying to sleep, regular hours, uh, you know, regular time, like have a good uh, schedule, sleep schedule for yourself. Uh, so there's all kinds of things that you can do. And we can talk about activities. We can talk about going online. There's online um, communities that people can join. Like there's many things you can do with your day. It's just that we now have to start thinking about that, something we never had to think about before. So suddenly it's like we're forced to. So what are some of your suggestions? Would love to to hear that. One person says video chats with friends individually or in groups. Yep, I do that uh, a few times a week actually in groups. Uh, exercise once per week. Keep up with my usual physio exercises every day. Great. Cooking and preparing eating, cleaning up in the kitchen, join interesting and informative Zoom meetings from Concordia and other places, 
do live streams of meditation, etc. See, these are fantastic ideas, great, great, great things that you could actually do. And I've heard this from several people in my in my own social circle. They're taking classes online. There's all kinds of free classes online. I'm doing exercises online. My coaches are offering uh, classes online. So I every single day at noon. My 360 Punch family, the, the, the coaches are there giving those classes. So we're, I'm, I'm maintaining with that. Uh, I find that really interesting. Thinking about, look, I've been looking also for some interesting reading material or other courses that I can take in my field, for example, some trainings that are happening online. So that's important. And the video chats, the, the being able to speak to your uh, social network is also very important. Dr. Mitch has said he, he's probably hasn't spoken as much to his kids, uh, you know, in the last two months as he has just in the last two weeks. I feel the same way. I think I've had more conversations daily, daily FaceTime conversations with my kids, uh, with my parents, with family. We're all on a, on group chats. We're all messaging. So everybody's connected and I think that's really important that we maintain that. Another person says, watching too many Try Guys videos. What's that? I don't I don't know those videos. And uh, do we use videos anymore? <laughs> watching Netflix series. I'm watching the Tiger one there, the Tiger Kings or whatever it's called. Um, I started watching that. That's pretty disturbing, actually. Another person uh, says masturbation. Uh, had I, I spoke to a friend earlier today who told me that uh, she just had ordered herself a vibrator. So that there was that. Um, yes. So of course, if your libido's there and it's good for you, it uh, it helps in in many many different ways uh, to get the blood flowing to your genitals as well. Uh, Passion Poet weighs in, says, we are creatures that need human contact, not only for sex, but for companionship. I'm sure many singles are sharing time together, taking the risk. There is only so much TV, phone calls, or video one can take. We are human. It is unhealthy to remain secluded alone. I'm not encouraging interaction. I'm just stating facts. Well, that wasn't quite a poem, but it was your thoughts nonetheless. I think that was from the Passion Poet. Um, Yes, it's it's true. It's it's um, it's hard not to have the human touch, uh, for sure. Finally got my hug after I just finished my isolation. I guess yesterday or yes, yesterday I think I finished my isolation, uh, and didn't get sick. So I'm very uh, very pleased with that. So obviously there's a lot of things that uh, we're feeling a lot of things and. Uh, some of what we're feeling is cabin fever. <laughs> a lot of people are expressing this. The weather's going to start to get nice. So uh, short walks, I think we're allowed like short walks around your own neighborhood or, or what have you, as long as you maintain social distance. Again, that's something that's uh, that's important. But we also have to find things that are distracting uh, for us, right? You don't want to be ruminating over this. You don't want to be catastrophizing over this. All of this will has uh, will put you at risk far more for depression than uh, maybe finding ways to distract and reaching out, reaching out to people. How are single people doing this now, right? Because dating is, is has it been put on hold? Are people continuing? I'd love to hear from single people right now who are still out there dating on the apps. We'll talk about that coming up after we check traffic with Lauren Glazer.
From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. One of the um, consequences of the pandemic, besides getting this virus and people dying from it and people getting really sick, is the social isolation that is also affecting our mental health and we need to think about that and we need to address this and we need to be able to reach out to people and have people reach out to us as well um, because we need to find ways to uh, combat the social isolation that people feel. And I just read a really sad, sad text. Uh, A friend's dad's friend committed suicide last week. We think it is due to the social isolation. I understand that the media does not cover this, but it is important that the government know the ramifications. I suggest starting with a to-do list every day. Give yourself goals, even if they are small tasks. Um, I agree with you on that. It's, it's about also giving your life some meaning. And sometimes when we're very lonely and we get depressed is we start to lose some of that meaning. So doing something, um, meaningful or finding something that gives you a sense of meaning could help like signing up for a course or giving yourself, like you said, a to-do list where you're doing one small thing every day. Uh, connecting with others, finding projects around the house that you can do, uh, decluttering and and putting aside a donation bin to help others, for example. So different things that you can do. Another text wrote, it's just as tough for those with chronic illnesses to be isolated, very true, if not relatively more so considering their incapacitation, which this dire situation has only served to exacerbate, unfortunately. Yes, and I worry about those people with chronic illnesses who feel like they can't get the medical care that they need, they can't reach out to their doctors because the doctors aren't seeing patients, or, I mean, some doctors, obviously you can, you know, they're they're connecting with you, but it's just not as simple as it was once was. So there's that whole added thing. Another text says, accepting that I won't be productive every day, and that's okay. Accepting that my mood is going up and down. Uh, True, this is part of accepting of the situation. Um, That that does help. Uh, Another uh, text writes, the Try Guys is a group of four guys on YouTube who try things. They're hilarious and adventurous and very likable. So that's something that can be very, very distracting. Uh, Greg says, hi, I work at a hospital on a COVID-19 floor. I can't wait for the day when I can hug my team and it's finally over. Greg, from the bottom of our hearts, we thank you. Uh, we thank you very much for your service, really, for doing uh, all that you're doing. Uh, I haven't got internet and I'm rationing Uh, canned food. I can't do any marching exercises because the neighbors will complain. I'm too scared to go out because too many people in this area don't keep their distance. I don't, I don't know what to do to maintain my physical health with exercise. My mental health is pretty much hanging by a hair. So I don't know if there's anybody who find ways that we can help out this person, but there's some exercises you can do that don't involve marching, that uh, you can strengthen your muscles. I know that our, my coaches are suggesting people use your the cans as weights, for example, or fill up a, a, a bag and start a, and lifting those weights. There are some very basic exercises you can do just on the floor, on a carpet, or what have you, and you can find those online. Um, 
Oh, mind you, you said you haven't got the internet. Well, coming up with some, uh, just some basic exercises that you can do, you know, with, uh, with weights, curls and lunges and things like that, that wouldn't require too, too much, uh, from you. So, and seeing if there's a, anybody in your neighborhood that you can reach out to that may help you, may help you get some food, for example, um, maybe calling the, uh, the food banks and finding out some some places may be delivering things. I know that, uh, for example, Mada is uh, delivering for the Jewish holidays. They're delivering uh, like a Seder in a box kind of thing where they used to have where you could go to their uh, their uh, soup kitchen basically and have and eat there. Now they're doing those deliveries. So there's different things that you need to uh, reach out and find out. I want to give you the number for the Canadian Mental Health Association which is another place you might want to try and call and find out uh, who you can speak to, possibly, who can help you out. 1-866-277-3553. That's 1-866-277-3553. So what about uh, those who are single? I was reading some very cute and very funny tweets about people who are online. By the way, online dating is up like 40%. Uh, from last month and that is uh, a lot of people are spending their time still now connecting with others which actually makes perfect sense and it's a way to uh, develop uh, get get to know somebody before you actually meet them which is very much like the um, the show love is blind if you ever if you've ever seen that Netflix series love is blind where they put strangers together without ever seeing what they look like and they ha- and they like spend a week just getting to know each other and then fall in love and even uh, get engaged before they even see what they look like so that's interesting so a couple of tweets that I wanted to share uh, you know who's really going to suffer during this social distancing dudes on dating apps welcome back to courtship Brad welcome back to talking to a gal for weeks prior to meeting we're pen pals now, my dude. We about to get Jane Austen up in here. Now write me a poem. <laughs> that was one tweet. Um, another tweet. Now that non-essential travel has been banned in San Francisco, dating is illegal, and we are about to see the greatest explosion in sexting the world has ever known. Uh, Love is Blind was practicing social distancing two years ago in preparation for what dating will be will look like in 2020. Uh, Hear me out. We should normalize FaceTiming as a good first date for online dating. During this COVID-19 quarantine, it will help people keep dating and getting to know each other, and it will help reduce fears and dangers of meeting up with a stranger from the Internet. Another tweet, COVID has forced me to pay more attention to dating apps. Most men would rather the conversation die than them ask you a question. Amazing. So not all of them are positive experiences. Another one wrote, got this message. If coronavirus doesn't take you out, can I? Oh, those pickup lines. Uh, Who needs love is blind when we have dating apps and a pandemic that keeps us inside? Can love be found solely through text? Find out in June on this season of Love in the Time of Coronavirus. That, that, that one's probably my favorite tweet. But as you can see, people are still uh, embracing, if you will, uh, dating, just using the apps quite differently. And now maybe uh, we'll be spending more time um, 
dating not in person and actually getting to know one another, which goes against my whole dating like online, uh, my rules, right? And they're not just my rules, but many people's rules where you really should meet as soon as soon as possible. But obviously we can't do that now. So, but most people on dating apps never FaceTime or have telephone conversations. It's just through text. So now uh, you have this opportunity to actually speak to somebody by phone. And um, and now a lot of these apps have different platforms where you don't have to give out your phone number or your actual email address and stuff like that. So there's things that can certainly um, be done. Uh, I, just a couple of texts here. I lost nine pounds since quarantine. I've been doing more yoga, Pilates, aerobics. <laughs> they work and not loud in the middle of the night. I also want to give the number for the food bank, dial 211. It is Moisson, Montreal, and they will direct those to food bank areas in your area. Thank you very much. So dial 211 for that. Thank you. That means a lot. Uh, Passion Poet writes in, there are many, many singles in the passion community. Let's all hibernate together. Let's take the opportunity. Let's have one massive orgy, the biggest the city has ever seen. Just bring lube. Oh, you got dirty. Just bring lubes and condom. Let's remain safe and clean. Obviously, this is a joke. I hope everyone is great. This antisocial confinement will end. Um, and we all just can't wait. <laughs> thank you. We'll end on that note. Uh, thank you all for spending your precious time with me. Thanks to Nicole, our technical producer tonight. You can connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Batito or through my website, drlori.com, where you can find the podcasts of past shows as well. Coming up next year on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening. Stay safe and remember to live your life with passion.